0: as we get to the point. Three pastors were debating over, if Jesus were to come back to this earth, where would he go to church? The Episcopalian pastor said he would come to the Episcopal church because we have the right apostolic succession. The Pentecostal pastor said, no, no, he would, he would come to the Pentecostal church because of our enthusiasm and the Baptist pastor spoke up and said, no, no, no. He he would go to a Baptist church. Why would he change after all these years? How many of you know when Jesus comes back, he's not picking teams. He's coming back for his children, amen? Grab your Bible and find 1 Thessalonians chapter four. First Thessalonians chapter four. On this last Sunday of 2020 and our last Sunday of Advent, I'm preaching today on the subject Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. Here, are the section that I've chosen from Paul's letter to the Christians in Thessalonica. They're struggling really with a couple of things. One is the passing, the going on of their loved ones. And then Paul clarifies for them that there will be a second advent that Jesus, who has ascended back into heaven, He is going to come again. Paul writes, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with Him those the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. And may God add his blessing to the reading of his Word. We're speaking today on Jesus is coming again, a subject that is mentioned over 1,800 times in the Bible. God, I pray in these moments that you will refresh us and renew us, and as the verse I just read said, encourage us. That as Christians today, we are not paralyzed by fear, we are not worried, we are not overwhelmed that today could be the day. But we look to that moment with joy, and we cry out as the scriptures say, even so come Lord Jesus. To the one today that is not prepared, who has never repented of their sins and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, may today be their day of salvation. I pray they would not delay or put it off, but today as the Spirit is at work in their life, they would respond and say yes to Christ and be born again. For Christians today, I pray that you will lift us, lift our countenance, lift our spirits with joy and remind us that our Savior, our Lord, our King, you are coming back to take us to heaven for all eternity. Holy Spirit, do your work as I just preach through this text for a few minutes May eternal fruit be born. I believe in the work of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said. There are fewer things that are more uh, tear-jerking or exciting uh, for me, especially in these last few weeks, than to watch some of these videos of moms and dads who have been on deployment to come back home and make a surprise visit to their children. It might be at a schoolhouse, in a classroom, at might be at the house of them stepping out of the closet. I even seen a couple where they came out of a big Christmas box, you know. One really touched my heart a few weeks ago as a high school football player was out at center field and they were doing the coin toss for his high school playoff game and they finished up, you know, who was going to receive and who was going to kick. And when he turned to go away, the PA announcer asked everyone to turn their attention to the end zone Uh, What he didn't know is that his dad had made it home uh, to get to see one of his football games. And oh, the joy and the celebration of seeing them embrace uh, in that moment of surprise. A lady who is a a friend of mine, I went to school with her. I saw on Facebook a couple of weeks ago that her daughter, who's in the military, had come home for that surprise visit. And, And so her mom, we'll call her Grandma, Grandma is at Walmart and she's pushing her buggy and uh, she turns the aisle a little bit, and there stands her granddaughter. Man, the look on her face as she just jumped up on her and began to hug her and and enjoy that moment, the surprise visit, uh, how overwhelming that was for her. And and I watched that video, and then I began to prepare for this message, and my mind, if you'll allow me, uh, kind of went another direction for just a minute. I began to think about It's happened to all of us. You've been in Walmart and you've turned down the aisle and you've ran into somebody that you really didn't want to see. Don't look at me like that, you bunch of Pharisees. You're going, man, I wish I would have turned an aisle sooner because that's not who I was wanting to run into today, right? Well, I give you those two little stories maybe to illustrate the emotion of the moment when Jesus comes again. For his children, it's going to be a wonderful moment where for the first time we'll see our Lord and Savior face to face. For others, it's going to be an overwhelmingly fearful moment. It's going to be a moment with a variety of other emotions because, sadly, there are way too many people who do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. In 1st Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 13 to 18 there's really two primary things that Paul addresses in this text. The first thing is unfortunately that we all have to deal with death. The passing of friends, the passing of loved ones and the reality is is that you and I, all of us are going that route unless the Lord comes back in our lifetime. The second thing that he addresses is that there is going to be a a parousia, an appearing of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that when he ascended back into heaven, Jesus said, I will come again. The angel that Casey read there in Acts chapter one just a few minutes ago said, ask the disciples, why are you gazing into the sky? This same Jesus is coming again. So let me just briefly on this last Sunday of the year, as we lit the Christ candle for just a moment, I want you to think about Christ and the second advent that Jesus is coming again. look at the text with me let me point out a couple things and and uh, we'll be done all right the first thing that Paul addresses is the mystery of death the mystery of death. I heard a preacher say many years ago that death is a secret enemy. You know, you, you don't know when it's coming your way, and it comes in a variety of ways. Sometimes, unfortunately, it's, it's sudden, right? It just happens instantly. Sometimes it happens through a, a period of sickness or disease, and, and death is a difficult thing. We uh, went, a Thursday night, we were here Christmas Eve and, and had our Christmas Eve services, and Josh Purser, who was singing up here today uh, while we were here, and he was up here singing on the stage, his grandfather passed away about about 6:30 on Thursday night and so so death is something that that we all have to deal with we've had to deal with it in our church this year we've had some members and we've had their memorial service their home going service if you will uh, some of our dear friends their uh, the lady her mom was in another state and and got covid and and she wasn't able to go visit her and to be with her, and her mom passed away. And and then she wasn't able to to go to the funeral or the graveside and to be with her family because of the limitations and the numbers. And how many of you know that's hard? That's that's not easy. That's difficult. Even in a normal season of life, death is a a difficult thing. And, And Paul is writing here to some Christians who are saying, hey, wait a minute now. We don't fully understand the big picture. Now that we have received the gospel and now that we're Christians, we're trying to understand what happened to mom and dad, what happened to our grandparent. In verse number 13, Paul says, I don't want you to be uninformed. The old King James uses the word ignorant. I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be in the dark or blind, to your family that has gone before. And then he says that we grieve a different kind of grief. Now, the Bible does not say that as Christians that we shouldn't grieve or that we can't grieve. Listen, grief is a normal part of life. You have that attachment. You have that love, that emotion for your family member or your friend. But but Paul says when we grieve, we grieve in a different kind of way. We don't grieve as someone who just has no hope. Now, next year, I'm coming up on 30 years in ministry, and, and I've done a, a lot of funerals, been a part of a lot of funerals in those 30 years, and really, there's three, three types of funerals that you do as a pastor. Number one, the person had a profession of faith, and they had the fruit to go with it, okay? And so that person, man, they live, they loved the Lord. They weren't perfect, They love the Lord. They live for the Lord. They have the fruit and the evidence in their life. The second one is the person where everybody's just not sure. Somebody made a profession of faith, maybe, or they were in and out of church, or, oh, they went to church several years ago. They just don't go anymore, and you just kind of got that doubt in the back of your mind. And then the third group over here is the person that rejects God rejects the church, rejects scripture, has nothing to do with it, is actually caustic toward it. I I want you to know as a minister of the gospel, it, it is so much easier to do this service than the other two. This one over here is really hard, right? Really difficult because when you're a pastor, how many of you know you can't preach anybody into heaven? Your life speaks for itself. And so, when you leave this earth, the only thing that matters, the only question that we need to talk about and address, it's not money, it's not your will, it's not your toys, it's not your education, it's not your status. The only question in that moment that matters is, did this person make a profession of faith in Jesus Christ? Have they been born again by, by His grace? That's the only thing that matters in this moment. And Paul says, if that is true, if your family member is a believer, is a Christian, that yes, you're going to sorrow, but you do not sorrow as the world sorrows. That sad sorrow. There's no hope here. There's no hope that I'm going to be with them in eternity. There's no hope that they're going to heaven. You know, when death comes, there's a lot, lot of unanswered questions, right? You wonder, why? Why this way? Or, you know, as a pastor here, we had a lady in this church several years ago that lived to be 107 years old. In her 90s, she was in a bowling league. I kid you not. 90th birthday, she jumped out of an airplane. Had somebody attached to her, of course, and parachuted down. 90th birthday. And I think about that. You know, my dad passed away at 57, 50 years shorter than that and others pass away at everything in between, and and there's this mystery of death. We we don't know when we die. I want to remind you today, when when we pass from this life, the only thing that matters is do we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior? Your life is passing by, gang. Your life, time is flying by. That's why James said to the Christians in James chapter 4, you know, you're talking about, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, And James says what you ought to be saying is, if the Lord wills, I'm going to do this or that because your life is just a vapor that appears for a little time and then it vanishes away. Paul says the mystery of death. The mystery of death is that we do not grieve as the world does. Why is it that way, Pastor? Well, look at verse 14. Notice the first word of verse number 14 where he begins to get into the message of the second coming, and how the message of the second coming ties in even to death. For, and I don't mean to do a language study with you, but that word means, of course, because of, because of what I just said in verse number 13, because death is real, since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Now, it's very important to have a biblical worldview. You see, our belief system, what we believe, brings us to this text to help us process death and to help us process is there life after death. All right? Our belief system is we believe in Jesus. we believe in the the Bible. We believe that Jesus died, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day. That is the essence of the gospel, right? On that third day, there was a resurrection, a resurrection of his body. Jesus got up out of that grave, right? That's what our faith is all about. That's why we meet on Sunday morning, not on Saturday morning. It's because of the resurrection. It's the foundation of our faith. And so verse 14 says, because Jesus rose again, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. That word fallen asleep there uh, in the Greek language is just another way of saying they died, okay? Or they passed away, they passed uh, from this life. And so this verse really can go one of two ways. Give me your best ears and thinking for a minute. It it could mean that God will bring from heaven with Jesus the souls who have died in Christ. The scripture says to be absent from the body is to be present with with the Lord, right? And so it could mean that Jesus brings back the souls of those who died in Christ. It could also mean that God will take with Jesus the deceased. In other words, there being a a joining together. Here's what we know: the Scripture says there's going to be a future resurrection. I read it a minute ago. The dead in Christ will rise first. Those who are alive on this earth will not proceed. Will not go before the dead, that those that have died have passed away in Christ. One author said we need to remember at that moment there's going to be a resurrection, not a reconstruction. In other words, in that moment we are going to be in our glorified bodies and we're going to be caught up, carried out of here. We'll see that in just a minute. So what is the message of the message of the second coming is that Jesus died He was was raised from the grave. There was a resurrection 2,000 years ago, and our hope right now in this moment, last Sunday of 2020, is that there is going to be a future resurrection. And that resurrection is based, the foundation of it, is the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, what's going to happen? Well, notice next, the moment of the second coming. It's going to happen in a moment. I grew up in church, and we used to sing the song, It Could Happen in a Moment. Some of you old-timers are waving, amen. I remember that song. Paul put it this way. He said in a, 1 Corinthians 15, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, Jesus is coming again. Just as quick as your eye bats and flashes, that's how quick it's going to be. Jesus is coming again. Look down there in verse number 17. It says, "Then we who are alive who are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air." Now, we use the word rapture as Christians, and that word is not in our English Bible. Okay? You don't see the word rapture. What you do see, the reason we use that word is because of verses like verse 17 that says that in that moment, we're going to be caught up, we're going to be snatched out of here, we're going to be gone instantaneously, and we're going to be with the Lord. How many of you would say, Pastor, I don't want to be left here on earth when that happens? Can you even begin to imagine, I know some of you've read Tim LaHaye and Left Behind and all that, that's imaginative liberty, let's call it that, we don't know everything that's going to happen and how it's going to happen, but what we do know is that it's going to be chaos here on this earth. It's going to be chaos. There are going to be people going, what, what happened? What just happened? Others are going to be saying, they said it was going to happen. They told me it was going to happen. It's true. But you know what? In that moment, it's going to be too late. It's going to be too late because I believe biblically there is there is no salvation after the rapture of the church. That's why today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Today, today, the Bible says, is the day of salvation. There's gonna be a moment where we are going to be raptured out of here. I love Kenneth Weiss and uh, his Greek studies. He said Christians really need to focus on this catching away, this word, because it brings so much joy and encouragement to the Christian life. It's the same word uh, that was used in Acts chapter 8 and verse 39 when a Philip led the Ethiopian eunuch to Christ. And just like that, he was speedily caught away up into the clouds. The word is also used in the original language to mean that you claim someone for your own self. <laughs> I belong to Christ today. Jesus is coming after me and he's going to claim me unto himself for all eternity. Paul used the same word in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 4, to refer to moving to a new place. All oh, friends, when Jesus comes back, I'm going to be moving to a new place. John chapter 14, Jesus said, I've gone to prepare a place for you. Those of you that believe I am the way, the truth, and the life, the word one more place in Acts chapter 23, the words used again as a word to grab someone and bring them out of trouble and out of danger. Oh, friends, Jesus is coming back, and he's going to deliver us from this sin, cursed broken world. He's going to snatch us out of here, and what a day, glorious day that will be. It's going to happen in a moment. It's going to happen instantaneously, and then when it happens, there's going to be a meeting in the second coming. Did you notice what the text says? We are going to meet the Lord in the air. Now hear me for just a minute. When this moment happens, the thing that's going to be on your mind is not seeing Mama and papaw. The thing that's going to be on your mind in that moment is not going to be aunts and uncles and loved ones and friends the thing that's going to be on your mind in that moment is seeing your Lord and Savior for the first time face to face. Can you imagine how overwhelming that's going to be when we get to see Jesus for the first time, the one that we love, the one that died for us, the one that saves us. We're going to get to see him face to face. That's why P.P. Bliss wrote years ago, in that old hymn, It Is Well With My Soul, there is coming a day when the Lord Himself is going to descend, the trumpet is going to sound, and in that moment, our faith is going to become sight. Amen. We're going to see Him, church. We're going to see Him face to face. That's going to be the joy of the moment. It's not, I'll get to this in a minute, it's not that the Colemans are going to have a family reunion. The most important thing in that moment is I'm going to see Jesus face to face. Some of you know the name Fanny Crosby. Fanny Crosby was born blind, and she lived to be 94 years old. Never never was able to see her entire life. Lived to be 94 years old. What a great gift and a treasure she has been to the church. You may not even know this, but you have been in church in your life And you have sang words off of that screen right there that Fanny Crosby wrote. She wrote over 8,000 hymns in her lifetime that still minister to the church today. And I could name several of them, but I won't because of time. I want to point to one that she wrote, one of my favorites that the church has been singing for years. Now keep in mind, she had no sight, but she wrote this. When my life work is ended, and I cross the swelling tide, when the bright and glorious morning I will see. I shall know my Redeemer when I reach the other side, and His smile will be the first to welcome me. I shall know Him. I shall know Him. And redeemed by His side, I shall stand. I shall know him. I shall know him by the prints of the nails in his hand. Here's a lady who was blind that said, can you imagine what it's going to be like when for the first time in my life I see a bright and glorious morning? Oh, how overwhelming that would be for her. But she said, the thing I want to see the most. Can you imagine the first face She ever saw in her life. The first face was the smiling face of her Lord and Savior that welcomed her into heaven. Man, isn't that something? That's overwhelming to me. That may not light your fire, but it lights mine. She said, I want to see Him. And when I see Him, I'm going to know Him. Because when the Lord comes back, there's going to be a meeting and we're going to meet him. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, and her faith has already become sight. And you and I are living and breathing on this earth right now, and we're looking forward to that meeting when we see his smiling face for the first time. Let me close. There's a meeting in the air, and yes, I am looking forward to seeing my family and friends that have gone before Yes, we are going to be reunited in our glorified bodies. The question is, Pastor, when in the world is that going to happen? (laughs) You know, for centuries, pastors and Bible teachers have been saying, We believe in the imminent return of Christ. And let's be honest, you can tell by the tone here in the text, Paul says, We who are alive and remain. (laughs) I mean, he's basically saying, that I believe Jesus is going to come back in my lifetime, right? And, and, and pastors, Christians have, have always believed that and always preached that, that at any moment Jesus could come back. And the truth is, we have somewhat taken some hits from a lost world who some like to kind of make fun of us and say, oh well, yeah, you're waiting on the spaceship, you know, and you've been talking about Jesus is going to come back at any moment for years and you had not done it yet. Oh, I remind you today, it doesn't matter what people say and what their opinions are. It doesn't change the fact that Jesus is coming again. There's a mystery though, right? When's he coming back? Kenton Bashore. 88 reasons Jesus is coming back in 1988. Anybody remember that? Here's what he did. He came up with a math formula where he added 40 years to 1948, which was the year that Israel became a nation. He just added 40 years to that, and that's why he picked 1988. And then after January 1st, 1989, he came out and said, oh, well, you know, I had some bad math, and what I really should have done is I should have added between 70 to 80 years to 1948. So Jesus is going to come back between 2018 and 2028, and the rapture will not happen any later than 2021. Well, he's just got a few days left on that prediction, right? I remember the name Harold Camping, 2011. Harold Camping in California, putting billboards all over the state that Jesus is coming back on May the 21st of 2011. There was one kooky couple out in the Midwest. I won't even get into their story. It's so sick and debauched, but they're, they were into a cult and, and psychic kind of stuff, and, and uh, they were all in the national news. And one of the things that kind of bubbled up in that in this year is that they said Jesus was coming back on July 22nd of 2020. Jean Dixon, a, a psychic, said that she's done the math and, and that the Battle of Armageddon is going to happen in the year 2020. We've gotten pretty close, haven't we? No, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. No, the battle battle of, I was supposed to be funnier. Some of y'all awake right now. Oh, the battle of army. Well, it hadn't happened. There's no doubt Jesus is coming back between 2020 and 2037. Is there anybody right now just feels, you feel tired and exhausted just listening to all that? Why in the world do people spend time doing that? Because the Bible, all you gotta do is read your Bible. It says, no man knows the day or the hour. Some are going to be in the field working. Some are going to be eating. Some are going to be in the bed sound asleep. The Son of Man doesn't even know the day or the hour. That's what the Scripture says, right? We don't know. Here's what we do know, church. We know that Jesus is coming again. It's going to happen. We're not here today to debate whether it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Jesus is coming. Again, and I love the last verse of this chapter. What are we supposed to do with all this? Death, second coming, the uncertainty. We don't know how many days we have on this earth. We don't know when Jesus is going to come back. All of that could lead to worry and confusion and frustration and questions. Paul wraps this up by saying, Everything I've just told you, here's what you do with this information encourage and comfort one another with these words. There should be something inside of you today, Christian. There should be a groaning and a tug and a pull inside of you right now that is saying, even so come, Lord Jesus. If you're here today and you've got any unfinished business in your life, oh, if you're not a Christian, you've never been born again, I would say to you, may today be your day of salvation as the Holy Spirit reveals that to you right now and draws you to himself. I pray that you will, you will repent. You'll acknowledge that you're a sinner. You'll believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll confess your sin and confess him as Lord. If you're not a Christian, I plead with you, be saved today. If you are a Christian, I would say, are you ready for the Lord to come? Now, a little simple analogy. After church today, if we were to say to you, hey, we're all coming over to your house. Some of you would say, Come on, we're ready. We, we you know, come on over, we'll we'll make some sandwiches and have a good time, whatever. And then some of us would say, you know, I might, I might need to go to the house and clean up a little bit. We left the house in a whirlwind this morning. If you got children, say amen right there. I, I need I need a little bit, I need a little bit more time to prepare. So I'm challenging you right now that Jesus is coming again. And if there's anything in your heart and your mind right now that says, oh, you know, if I knew he was coming back tonight at 10 o'clock, here's what I would do. I would call my coworker that I've been thinking about witnessing to, and I would share the gospel with them. Maybe in your heart and life, you know, there's some things that you need to get out. There's some sin in your life, and you'd say, man I, 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 man, I don't want the Lord. When the Lord comes back, will he find us ready and watching? The trumpet is going to sound. Aren't you glad I didn't have somebody hidden back here today to blow a trumpet right now? Y'all would have all got saved again just to be sure, right? The trumping, trumpet is going to sound. And when it does, hear me everyone is going to believe. I didn't mean everybody's going to heaven. That means in that moment, the Bible says, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The only question is, will you bow the knee now or will you bow it later? I would say, bow it now, right? And confess that Jesus Christ is Lord because he is coming again. Christians, be encouraged today. I love Dr. Vance Havner, the old fire breathing preacher. Vance Havner said this look on the screen and I'm done. We are not just looking for something to happen, we are looking for someone to come. And when these things begin to come to pass, we're not to drop our heads in discouragement or shake our heads in despair, but rather lift up our heads in delight. Because Jesus has kept his word, John chapter 14 and verse number three. I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. How do I get there? Remember Thomas, John 14? Remember? Well, how can we get there, Lord? How can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way. The truth and the life, no man goes to the Father unless he comes. I'm glad when I was 13 years old, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I'm not going to heaven because I'm sinless. I'm not going to heaven because I'm a good dude. I'm going to heaven because I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. My heart's been changed. My mind's been changed to where now. It doesn't matter what I face in this life. I know that very soon, for all eternity, I'm going to be with the Lord forever. And what a day, glorious day that will be. Amen.